Welcome to the UALC Podcast, where everything we talk about helps us understand, experience, and live the love of Jesus. Grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. Jesus said his followers would be known by how they love one another, and we'd love to see that come true. I'm Andrea Taphorn, and I'm here with my co-host, Brody Taphorn. It's good to be back. It's been a little while since uh, we finished season one of the podcast. We took a break at Thanksgiving and Christmas time, thinking we would get back at it at the beginning of the year. And uh, it turns out we got pretty busy, and now it is almost spring, but we are excited for season two of the podcast. We sure are. We are starting off this season by inviting some people onto our podcast that we thought it would be helpful for our listeners to know. And also, uh, we're going to have them share a Bible story that's been significant to them in their walk with Jesus. And so our first guest is uh, Pastor Mike Bradley. Mike Bradley has been a mentor of mine, and he is an important person in my life personally. But I'm excited for our church to get to know him a little bit better. As you might know, if you're familiar with UALC, our church is uh, a part of two denominations or associations of churches. We are members of the North American Lutheran Church, and we are also members of Lutheran Congregations and Mission for Christ, LCMC. Mike Bradley is the service coordinator for LCMC. A lot of people ask him, well, what does that mean? Uh, The service coordinator is the chief of staff and is the leader of this association of churches. Uh, Mike just got started in his role um, in August of 2020. Uh, Mike is a published author. He is also a frequent golfing buddy of mine, as often as I can get out there to see him. But uh, Mike is somebody that I really respect, and I'm excited for our church to get to know him Yeah, and fair warning, uh, just for those of you who don't know Brody, he loves teasing people he loves the most. So just be aware of that as we're heading into this conversation. Yeah, that that is true. And I really like Mike Bradley. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mike also uh, shares a story uh, with us about uh, the loss of his son, Andy. So we also just want to give you a heads up as that's, that can be a heavy topic to take in. Yes. And so... uh... We are excited to hear from Mike, so let's get to the podcast. So I want to welcome Mike Bradley to our podcast today. Mike, it is good to uh, catch up with you. How how are you getting along down there in Arizona? (laughs) We're getting along great down here, Brody and Andrea. Good to catch up with you. Yeah. Uh, Mike is a dear friend of ours. Uh, We thought that it would be helpful for our listeners, Mike, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Well, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. First of all, I'm married to Debbie. We've been married for 42 years, and uh, Debbie is a Lutheran pastor's kid uh, in her background. Uh, we've been blessed with five kids, uh, Andrew, Joseph, Rachel, Stephen, and Ben, in that order. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some great uh, in-law kids. And we have three grandsons, uh, Michael, Isaac, and Luke. And then we have a granddaughter and another grandchild on the way. Yeah, man. That's a lot We're of people. Excited about that. And we have a four-year-old white Labrador dog, Maggie Mae. Oh, I love that. I've gotten to know Maggie May and uh, visit out to uh, Mike and Debbie, and she is a she is a joy. 
<laughs> and, and we live in the Phoenix, Arizona area. So. Yeah. And your wife, Debbie, I, I know sometimes people say uh, my better half, but that's really doing an injustice to just how much better Debbie is. Debbie is God's grace personified. <laughs> uh, she, she is God's grace gift to me. Yeah. I love that. How has your family been doing in this pandemic? That's a lot of folks to try and keep track of. Well, it, it is. Um, we've really been blessed. Uh, there's so many people who are are struggling and wrestling uh, with with the pandemic. For Debbie and I, living in Arizona, for one thing, is a, a great place to write out a pandemic uh, because we can still get out and go for walks and, and be outside with Maggie, that kind of thing. Uh, we've been really blessed. All of our kids and grandkids have been healthy through this entire thing. Nobody has contracted COVID, which is just a great blessing. None of them lost their jobs. Mm. In fact, a couple of the kids got promotions. Oh, in the midst of this. Um, they're doing well in their work, uh, in their marriages. Uh, we do a lot of Zoom calls. We play games by Zoom. And, <laughs> uh, did Thanksgiving and Christmas via Zoom. The, the kids are all pretty tech savvy. So, um, it's it's been a uh, I, I can't say we've really struggled like some families have, mm-hmm. and my heart goes out to yeah. them. We're we're doing pretty good. And you've got you've got uh, Debbie is in the healthcare field, and you've got one of your kids as well in the healthcare field, right? Yeah, De- Debbie's a nurse, and this year she, in the midst of the pandemic, she started a new job as a telehealth nurse mm. for hospital system here in. Uh, Phoenix. She, she works out of the house uh, also, so we both uh, work from home. Our uh, second son, Joseph, is a nurse out in California. He's in the cardio care intensive care unit of a hospital and has been working in the midst of a number of COVID patients. Uh, of course, he's fully vaccinated as a healthcare worker. And again, we've been really blessed that he has not contracted COVID, even though he's around it all the time. Yeah. Mike, tell us a little bit about your background in ministry. I know you've done a, a number of things. And and tell me again, when did you start uh, as a professional golfer? <laughs> oh, good gracious. Well, the professional golfer story, we'll have to get to in a bit. Um, I was uh, in the United States Air Force uh, back during the little conflict we had in Southeast Asia years and years ago, came home to Omaha, Nebraska, where Debbie and I are both from, worked in a Christian bookstore business for a few years, and then met a Lutheran pastor who invited me to start having coffee with him. One thing led to another. I began visiting his church, and one day he he uh, said to me, I, I think you might have a call to vocational ministry on your life, particularly working with youth, because yeah. I was volunteering, working with youth. And Again, one thing led to another. God made it clear through a variety of ways that, uh, and Debbie and I both agreed I should leave the bookstore business. And I started as a youth minister at a small Lutheran church that my this Lutheran pastor, who would then become my father-in-law, uh, oh, wow. planted uh, back in the 70s. So 100 members and four teenagers. And that's where I started. Along the way, learned enough guitar to, to be just dangerous. And became a worship leader as well as youth minister and did that uh, in Omaha and then in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, where Debbie and I ended up living for 16 years. 
I did that for a number of years. I think I was a youth minister for 20 some years. Oh. Teenagers and young adults are still my favorite people group. Um, and then this Lutheran church in Rapid City um, was a, a unique church in that they allowed me to transition twice vocationally. So when at one point they asked me to take on an associate pastor's role. So moving from youth ministry into the associate pastor's role and somebody I'd been mentoring became the new youth minister. And then when our uh, senior pastor at that time retired, they asked me to become the acting senior pastor. So a church of about 2,500 people, I, I get to be the acting senior pastor for two years, never having gone to seminary and uh, kind of was doing things, things backwards. And then we, we eventually called the new senior pastor and, and shortly thereafter, uh, uh, our oldest son unfortunately died and that rocked our world for a couple of years. And eventually we uh, knew we needed to take a break and we went out to Pasadena, California, where I attended Fuller Seminary and um, got my Master of Divinity degree from there, received a call to the Master's Institute Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, was there for 10 years, and then worked with a sister network to LCMC called the Alliance of Renewal Churches for seven years and began my new position with LCMC as service coordinator back in August. So that's been my journey. That's great. I love that you have such a wide variety of experiences, and I know you're bringing that to the table right now in this new position for LCMC. That's really exciting. So tell us a little bit about your work for LCMC. What does that look like? Uh, I've been uh, with LCMC now for about seven months, and uh, uh, in in part, the what I do is still being shaped and still being formed, developing. Uh, one of the things I do is I supervise the national staff. We have a, a small staff that uh, we all work remotely. We live in different parts of the country, um, which has always been the case for the LCM staff since our inception 21 years ago. Um, but I supervise the staff, work together with them. I work with the National Board of Trustees and the Ministry Board, two national boards that help oversee different aspects of uh, life and ministry in the LCMC. Uh, part of my heart, if if somebody really had to uh, ask me to describe what my passion is, it's loving, connecting, and caring for leaders. Uh, so I, I, I'm hoping that I can serve as a pastor to pastors uh, in LCMC, help connect them with one another, um, help them feel cared for, uh, that the, that they can know the love of God for them as a as a person, not just uh, in their leadership position. Oh, that is so important. I feel like pastors are are oftentimes people that do not have a shepherd shepherding them, and so I love that that is part of your kind of heartbeat for what you see this uh, position doing. Um, in our denomination. And I think that transitions us really nicely because not only did we think our listeners just, we wanted them to know who you are and what you do for our church and for churches around the country, but also we wanted them to hear a little bit about how Jesus has changed you. And so I think you have some things that you wanted to bring to us today and we can't wait to delve in. Well, of course, the the first and major change is uh, just having received the, a gift of new life 
from Jesus. And uh, God sought me out when I was not seeking him out. Mm. That's how much he loves us and, and how much he's loved me. And he showed himself to me through a variety of ways and people and, and, and hearing people share passages of scripture with me. And, and um, so I'm, I really received this gift of new life as a young adult um, uh, when I was in the United States Air Force. And it, it's, it's a new life that has, has uh, uh, this gift from the Lord has changed how I live here and now, as well as in the life to come, of course. Um, part of that, that new life for me is being able to hear the Lord speak to me uh, uh, through the Word of God mm -hmm. and, and through brothers and sisters in Christ and to see how He acts in our lives and in and through us. And um, uh, a time in particular, as, as an example, would be uh, I, I have what I call my, my morning coffee time with Jesus. <laughs> I've, I've heard that you and Jesus are regular coffee partners. Well, I, I love coffee and Jesus loves coffee. He sure and does. Jesus loves Mike. So it's he perfect. Does. In John chapter two, actually, uh, the Greek says he transformed the water into coffee, not into wine. But most people don't know that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like to start my day with, with a, a, I get up and I, I make a cup of coffee and I sit down with my Bible. And uh, Maggie's usually, our, our dog is lying nearby. And, and I pray and, and I meet with the Lord in his word. And, and one thing the Bible has become for me um, is rather than a book of books to be studied and to be taught and to be preached, it's a meeting place, mm -hmm. mm. coffee shop, mm. where you meet somebody, uh, pre-COVID, of course, <laughs> you meet somebody and you get to know them and they get to know you and and it's been that kind of, of meeting place for me with the Lord. And, and I'll, I'll read, uh, uh, I go through a daily reading plan. And, mm -hmm. and occasionally a certain passage or a certain verse will just uh, do the kind of the proverbial jump off the page. Of me. It just really captures my attention. And, and not that I get it right away or understand it right away. I may have to reflect on it. I might have, might have to think on it. Uh, but some years ago, I was reading in Acts chapter 2 and in uh, verses 23, uh, um, uh, 22 and following. It, it, let me read it for you. It says this. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing wonderful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But you followed God's prearranged plan. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and murdered him. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again, for death could not keep him in its grip. And now, this is a number of years ago, but I remember as I read it that morning, uh, a thought went through my, my mind. And occasionally that'll happen where a, a thought comes to mind. And I call it a loud thought. It, it's, it's, it, there's a weight to it. There's, I, I just can't shake it. And that thought was, uh, this, and 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 I yeah, I even wrote it in in the margin of my Bible. Uh, death took Jesus, but God took Jesus from death. Well, in 1997, on his 18th birthday, uh, we woke up to find that our oldest son Andy had mysteriously died during the night. Mm. And uh, needless to say, it, it rocked our world. 
as as a family. And um, and and this passage came to mind the following week. Uh, we had a number of people coming in and out of our house, as you can imagine, in those days after Andy's death, and and wanting to comfort us and be there with us, and and uh, often. Uh, meaning well, somebody would say, I'm so sorry God took your son. Because I'd read this passage and because that loud thought had planted itself, not only in my head and my heart, I, I, I got to thinking about it the, after the first couple of people said that. And when subsequent people would say it, my response was, well, well thank you. But, but let me clarify for you. God didn't take my son. Death took our son. But God took our son from death. Mm. And uh, that became a source of comfort and counsel. Now, it, it didn't take the pain away, um, uh, especially in those first months and years after something like that. Uh, there's not a whole lot that can take the pain away, but it, it comforted us and it consoled us. And it enabled us to live in and through the pain uh, to the point now, of course, we're years down the road, but life is good. Uh, We miss Andy. And uh, he's still part of our family. We still remember him in different ways and involve him in different ways. Um, But And and we know we're going to see him again, which gives us uh, great joy. But life is good again. There's joy. There's laughter, uh, even though at moments we still miss him. Yeah. I know that you have a very uh, close family and I, I, I can't help but imagine that there are many of our listeners who are listening to you share the story and they've got their own story. They've got their own story of loss and of pain and tragedy. And I, as you mentioned, you know, oftentimes people are reaching for something to say to someone who uh, is going through uh, a tragedy and some of those things are particularly helpful and some of those things are particularly not helpful. I'm wondering if you can share with us um, just from your experience as a pastor and as somebody who has experienced tragedy, what are some things that uh, might be good to say to a friend or loved one who we are trying to comfort? And what are some things that perhaps we should not say? Well, that's, that's a great question. Um one of the first things that comes to mind as, as the person or group of people going through the pain who have experienced the loss, uh, I would just encourage people, don't compare your loss to somebody else's. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if somebody hears our story of, of losing Andy on his 18th birthday, they might experience some loss they've experienced. And it might be the death of somebody else. Or it might be the death of a relationship. Or the death of a dream, or what? And they'll they'll be quick to say, "Of course, that doesn't compare to your loss." Mm-hmm. And I, I would just encourage them: don't you don't need to do that. Your your loss is your loss, and and it's painful. Um, regarding what to say, one of the things I learned through our experience with Andy was uh, the power of the gift of presence, and I like birthday presents, although on October 7th, Brody, you can yeah, certainly- I've got it on my calendar. But the, <laughs> you know, the presence of a person, they're, they're there. And in the days after Andy's death, when we had all these people going through the house, uh, the people who really ministered to Debbie and I often were the people who didn't say a thing. Mm. 
they were just there. Mm-hmm. And if they were there maybe bringing royals, rolls of toilet paper and food and, you know, all the things they think you need to, to get by. Um, the gift of presence is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just you being there for somebody and, and just you praying for somebody can give them uh, a sense of strength that comes from God, comes from the Holy Spirit that will enable them to endure and move through uh, this, this time of, of grief, grief and pain and loss. Yeah, that's I. We have heard that from multiple guests um, as we have had discussions around this, and I, I am amazed by how many times this comes up. And just wanting that to sink into my heart that that presence and comfort, and maybe if you're in, from the Midwest, you're bringing a hot dish. Whatever that is, uh, means something very important to the person receiving that. Like, thank you for bringing that up again. Um. The other thing that um, I find just reflective upon hearing your story, too, is um, as the community coming along alongside you with presence and care and just embodied love in the moment without words, uh, and that Christ met you in this, in his word, uh, saying, I am more powerful than death. And that that was something very important for your healing and uh, perspective upon something that I think um, for most human beings who uh, particularly are parents, uh, this is your worst nightmare, right? This is the thing that uh, breaks apart families um, in very real ways. And yet it, your family sa- seems to stand in large contrast to probably statistics around such tragedies and loss. So um, I don't know if I have any question about that, but I just noticed that in your story, how beautiful that is. Mike, did this, did the revelation of this passage that you uh, read for us, was that something that like, did it hit you all at once in one moment or was it something that kind of built built and and has like like a wave has crashed uh, uh, multiple times throughout your life where there has been either greater healing or relief or insight um can you say something about how is this was this a passage that had a particular impact at one point or has it has it had ripple effects it- I'd say for me, um, again, somebody else, your experience might be different and let your experience be yours. For me, it's been a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that initial, uh, in, in that first morning when I was sitting with the Lord, having that good cup of coffee and meeting with him in his word, I, I noted, and there was that thought uh, that God took Jesus from death. And, and that was significant. But um, then it, it built there, there was that ripple effect as I thought about it and as I reflected on it and, and, um, in doing that, it began to become more than words on a page. Mm-hmm. It began to become something that was life-giving to me. And over time it's, it's, um, uh, just deepened that and, and it really began to connect me um, in a very real way, in a very experiential way with God's love for me. Uh-huh. Um, the first sermon I preached 
after Andy's death. So he, he died on his birthday, December 19th in 97. And in February, I was back in the pulpit for the first time. And uh, in the church I was at, Trinity Lutheran Church in Rapid City, South Dakota, our, our practice was primarily to preach out of the text of the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, occasionally we'd preach a thematic kind of sermon series, but most often we, whoever was preaching, would read, study, pray over the text of the day and see if there wasn't a red thread that the Lord, uh, through all the scriptures that the Lord might want him to preach on. And the sermon I ended up sharing that day that I've shared numerous times throughout the years when asked is called the unshakable love of God. Mm. That in the worst storm of our lives, by far, there were certain things about God that for us were just unshakable in that moment. And, and thankfully, they were already present prior to that moment. And one of these was the unshakable love of God. So there, there was no question for Deb and I in the wake of Andy's death, did God love us? Mm-hmm. How how could this happen? Doesn't God love us? That was never the question for us because that was rooted so deeply in our hearts. And part of that was meeting with the Lord in scriptures like that. that just had that ripple effect you were talking about. Yeah, that is a a grace that some folks listening may or may not feel right now in, in their hearts as they are walking through. I think we're in, you know, in pandemic, um, death is much more prevalent in all of our lives than I think I can imagine before this time. And I don't, I don't know if you have a word for that or a thought that if somebody's listening today and is wondering, um, they've experienced something, a, a significant loss of, um, knowing that God loves them despite what it, their current circumstances are. Um, a, a couple of thoughts that come to mind. First of all, if somebody is listening to this podcast and you feel that way, that, well, there's no way God could love me. Look what's happened. Uh, it's okay for you to feel that way. You shouldn't feel guilty. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't feel guilty or shouldn't put shame on yourself in that, well, I, I should be believing that God loves me. Um, it's okay. And, and find people who can let you be there. Mm-hmm. I call those my safe place people. Mm-hmm. Uh, let you be in the moment where you're at. And, and that's going to be important. Uh, in general, for all of us uh, who might identify as followers of Jesus, there can be things that can hinder us or prevent us from experiencing more of God's love for us. We live in a fallen world. And, and we have a very real enemy, the devil, who wants to separate us from God's love wants to separate us from our relationship with the Father. I mean, this is such a prevalent theme that even Walt Disney uh, uh, speaks about it in The Lion King. Mm. Uh, the separation of, of Simba from his dad, yeah. you know, and there's mm. the evil uncle. And we have that kind of enemy who uh, wants to separate us from God's love and uses the world, the fallen world we live in, um, to, to do that. I mean, you just can't live in this world and not get beat up. Mm-hmm. somehow some way so one thing that can be helpful is through some various forms of counseling or uh healing prayer and in some safe place authentic relationships 
we can begin to experience God healing places where we've been wounded, uh, healing memories that are still from the past, that are still holding us captive in the present, and uh, setting us free step-by-step uh, step to experience more of that love of God. Yeah. Mike, as it pertains to grief and loss and death, I'm wondering, is there something that you are hopeful for today? Something that you wish for people who are going through the same kind of pain and adversity that you and Debbie and your family went through with Andy's death? Is there something that you would share with us as we wrap things up um, that you're hopeful for? Yeah, one of the things I, I suppose is I would hope for you, whomever you are, that you have or you, God will grace you with, with a group of people, even just a small group, who can be that safe place kind of person for you. Debbie and I had that. We had a small group we were part of at the time. Uh, we, we got to be so close that even, what, 20 some years down the road, we're still close to each other. Mm. We all live in parts of the country now, but we get together mm. uh, still on a fairly regular basis. And it's one of those things you just pick up where you left off kind of thing. Those folks were a source of, of strength and encouragement and were life-giving and hope-giving to Debbie and I. And, and we were to them as they walked through some pain in their lives too. Mm. Uh, so I would hope that for you all and, and, and would pray for that for you. And that that group could be one way you experience that unshakable love that God has for you. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks so much for being our guest this morning and sharing this story and your insights. We we appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. We enjoyed being here. Thanks a lot, Andrew and Brody. Special thanks to Mike Bradley for being our guest today. Thanks also to Steve Gill, our audio engineer. You might have heard Mike share a number of times in our conversation about a safe place. Mike Bradley has written a book called Being a Safe Place for the Dangerous Kind. And if you are looking for a resource, I want to commend it to you. You can find his book on Amazon, Being a Safe Place for the Dangerous Kind. Thanks for joining us in this conversation, and we look forward to picking it up next time.